Hello and welcome back to what is this episode four of the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency, maybe maybe a little ways in the future, but I'm, I believe it'll get there. Um, I'm here with Jed. How you doing, man? Good. I'm actually like feeling uh, a lot better, a lot more energetic than last time. Yeah. Well, you got the you've got the shirt going on yeah. you know that's uh that's in the spirit of it I, I actually i don't own anything really that is bitcoin cash branded i gotta be honest but i'm sure somebody could make a killing selling me selling me one of those shirts where'd you get it um i think oh no this one i got actually from um oh man this is from like 2017 uh it was just a, a fellow that i met in a facebook group like the facebook group that got me into cryptocurrency he made me this one uh, and it, there was a um, Monero shirt that had the, you know, XMR symbol on it and then had uh, mind your business as the caption <laughs> underneath. I think I hold on. I've got an Instagram post. I, I believe the shop or his shop was called like the Liberty Forge. All right. Sweet. Let's let's definitely give them a give them a shout out, you know, because that's uh, some quality, quality material you got you got going on there, you know. That would be, I'm jealous. I have to uh, get one of those and, and rock it out. To be honest, I, I rarely, I don't really go in for like branded stuff for the most part, you know, like being like a Nike or whatever, you know, people love that shit. For me, it's kind of more like, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your brand ambassador, but for Bitcoin Cash, it's kind of different, right? Because it is a community driven movement. It's not like, you know, some company like profiting off of you, giving them free advertising. So yeah, I would definitely, yeah. uh, definitely rock that shit. Yeah, it was the Liberty Forge. Um, it seems like their Instagram is no longer a, a thing, but maybe they're still Liberty around. Forge. See what's up. Yeah. Okay. Well, people can uh, look that up and, and check that out. I guess uh, get some get some Bitcoin Cash swag happening. Right. So today is the thirtieth of oh shit. Did I I did not update the date on this. Uh, but well, well, jokes. It is actually the seventh. Let's maybe let's just quickly quickly change that while while I'm looking at it. All right, today's Sunday, right? So let's do here, Sunday, 7th, Feb. You can see how far in advance I was preparing this shit. All right. So it is, all right, 7th of Feb. All right, so I just had a look at uh, CoinMarketCap, Bitcoin Cash, $452. And uh, I was looking at this and I was thinking, it's funny how human psychology is, right? Because Stellar's gone up a bit, Chainlink has gone up a bit, so Bitcoin Cash is now number 11. It's dropped down and it's barely above uh, Dogecoin, so you think, oh, it's a disaster, but it's actually 50 bucks higher than last week. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just really a question of how you look at it, you know, and uh, I think it's, um, it's yeah, it's, it's fascinating, you know, obviously some people were, oh, this guy is falling, we're out of the top 10, but I don't know, personally, I don't put much uh, stock in that, I don't, I don't know what you think. I think um, the top 10 just shows like the market's super speculative right now and the fundamentals don't matter that much. Um, and you still see BTC people going like, oh, this is the early stage. So if they're saying this is the early stage for them and, you know, they have the the most like um, th they hold the most space in people's psyche when they say cryptocurrency, then I don't think the top 10 matters for probably another 10 years yeah i mean it's funny because you can look at the top 10 you know and definitely like once you filter out like ripple for instance is not even like mined right 
Yeah, and, uh, it's like take out anything centralized, take out anything that's, I don't know, maybe not... Um, like, I'm not even really that interested in things that aren't proof of work for currency. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, me neither. I think I'll, I'll definitely we've got to do an episode about that at some stage, but about, yeah, proof of stake and all that. I mean, it's interesting, right? It's good that there is this sort of experimentation. Uh, and it's interesting oh, that, yeah, uh, you know, Ethereum is kind of trying to make that uh, jump, you know, and they are the number two. So, we'll, like, that's uh, one, one approach, you know, <laughs> for sure. I just want to say, I handled Ethereum for the first time in about three years. Yeah. Uh, four days ago, three or four days ago. And um, I bought like $30 of it because I had a friend who was like, uh, make some trades on SushiSwap and Uniswap and people have made thousands of dollars in free airdrops just for trading with those exchanges. Yeah. So he's like, pick a day, make a couple shitty trades. It doesn't even matter if you profit or loss, just keep an eye out for the airdrops. Uh, I could not make a single transaction because the fee was 75% of the ethereum that i bought rip there you go that's yeah. the end of that like, then you know you sort of wonder who 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 is transacting this stuff right now when it's like you know it's 25 or 30 dollars to send a transaction i mean i saw somebody sort of saying yeah well this is all based on um you know if you have a more complicated like transaction or whatever that it's more you know cost more and maybe theirs was like five or six dollars but even at five dollars i'm like fuck that i'm not buying like what am i going to buy that i'm happy with five dollars it's got to be more than a, probably a grand before i'm happy to pay five bucks really you know yeah so some of the uh like initiating smart contract fees are like hundreds of dollars god damn and i guess they're putting their hopes on the um the whole layer two stuff, you know, Ethereum, blah, blah, blah. It's, in some ways, I saw a really good comment somebody was talking about, maybe that's reminiscent of Bitcoin, that they're, they're going down the, the same path. But, but we'll, we'll put a pin in that. we gotta, we got to come back to that. That could be another separate episode. That's a, that's a massive uh, topic I'd need to read up a bit too, I think, before we got to that. But yeah, anyway, we've got the price. So then uh, big BCH transactions still, still killing it, still churning up uh, in this six weeks from... December 23rd, I think is that first day. And uh, now it's, it's within touching distance of, uh, of Bitcoin, really. Um, so, you know, if you keep this trend going, what, another week, two weeks, three weeks, definitely it'll be, it'll, it'll be doing more um, transactions. That doesn't mean necessarily that it has more utility, but it's, you know, it's one, it's one, it's one important metric for sure. I think this is, especially considering that noise.cash is like social media, even if it's microtransactions, this is like a real world use case. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see um, like the Sphere, which is a game that uh, uses SLP, like NFT, SLP tokens and whatnot. I think if that gets any kind of a, like games built on Bitcoin Cash is going to skyrocket the transaction count. Yeah. So it'll be very soon uh, yeah i mean to me i think yeah okay even if you're transacting five cents or something there's just the value of yeah the actual like people involved because you know they talk yeah. to their friends they talk to their family they're somebody you know maybe they've got some and then they think oh shit i, I you know this is really cool bitcoin cash and then they go out and buy some you know themselves or they get less interested in using whatever their government currency is and the other thing about it i think is that those small uh, transactions are what Bitcoin is like obviously completely neglected right uh, now it's not possible with a five or six dollar fee to have your 10 cent like game transactions or whatever and so if if Bitcoin cash just starts swallowing up that that whole market that I think a massive massive amount of people 
so yeah, well, yeah. I mean we'll wait, we'll wait and see but um, um, I've been enjoying this uh, this graph it hasn't it hasn't slowed down uh, right so one of the big things this week was uh, Kim.com I don't know did you did you watch this did you did you look at this uh, clubhouse recording I just saw the tweet about it this morning and I've only been up for an hour so. <laughs> all right well you know you can uh, you can check it out later if you want but I've got a summary of the the points you know and I guess this is topical right because Elon Musk was on um, clubhouse and he was you know talking about crypto and whatever and so i guess kim uh did the same for people who don't know kim.com is a entrepreneur who did uh this site called mega where you could upload and uh share around uh files so he didn't actually have access to the files but he got kind of busted by the u.s government for uh you know illegal file sharing and copyright you know with hollywood and the and all that sort of stuff and uh they've got a bunch of his assets under under you know under like custody and, and all that and there is uh there's some incredible footage of his house in new zealand getting like raided by the the i don't know who it was the fbi or the government like the paratroopers are coming in with their attack helicopters and and shit like that it's some real uh real movie movie type stuff have you have you ever seen any of those clips not of his, no. Okay, all right. We'll we'll have to get maybe next time it's like we get a clip of that because that that is just unreal. It's literally like yeah, some sort of uh, movie scene. But anyway, he's he's uh, he's still uh, still kicking on, and he's in uh, he's in New Zealand still, and he's a big uh, fan of cryptocurrencies, right? Because he's a very you know freedom minded individual, and uh, he so he had this debate with a bunch of people i guess it could have just been whoever i don't know could just join the call right but basically for the most part they ended up being um btc like bitcoin supporters and kim has been more enthused about bitcoin cash uh because he's working on this new project k.im right which is it's basically the same as mega except you can pay in cryptocurrency right so the idea is that like uh, let's say i want to publish some content online an article or maybe an episode of this podcast i don't know I upload it into a payment container that gets encrypted, then you send around the link and then whoever wants to, you know, get access to that pays their, you know, whatever you set the fee at, right? So let's say it's $1 to watch this podcast, people pay the $1 and it unlocks. So it's kind of like a more direct uh, Patreon kind of method, except obviously you can do it with any any kind of content uh, and be on a sort of pay per use type idea. Do you know if there's like a roadmap for that yeah 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 there is he's got this uh thing let's look, look it up here white paper uh, I, I was looking at it the other day actually but uh yeah he's got a whole like breakdown of how this is all gonna work here um so i guess people i'll put the link in the description but people can have a look at this but it's got the payments and the publishing and the encryption and all that sort of stuff and yeah, he's got these kind of stats about obviously people are moving more to online content. You know, newspapers are dying. Everybody, everybody knows that. Um, and then yeah, he's got uh, you know how how the whole system works and everything like that. And there's a bit uh, somewhere in here, maybe it's right at the end, where he's got the you know he's got some of this stuff about the monetization model. So that's they're gonna have their own crypto as well, Kim coins, but. I think that you know that's just sort of like a value add and then he has all this stuff here about all the the plan and how it was all going right so in 2019 it was going to be with the lightning network and then uh, bitcoin cash and it's all getting hyped up to release 
later this year, right? That's the that's the grand plan. But in this um, in this clubhouse thing, he sort of talks about <laughs> basically how he tried to do lightning and it didn't work. So he he had his uh, you know his engineers, his team were all working on it, and it what, whatever they tried, it didn't work, right? So then he somehow got onto Bitcoin Cash. I think he had a chat to Roger Bear about it. He told him like. <laughs> you know the history of what was going on and uh yeah and and then basically he said it worked right so we so we started using that so yeah his points were basically that it worked that it was low fees um and that btc supporters should should just like leave bch alone basically that they kind of have this dual narrative of like bch is just this trash or it's this side project or whatever but then at the same time they keep bringing it up and he's like well if it was not a problem. You you wouldn't be so you know obsessed about it, right? Yeah, but then they they mentioned the branding, right? Yeah, well that's right, exactly. So, uh, I mean, one thing that Kim uh, you know said, and I think it's been very on topic in the in the community where I've sort of focused this episode around is the idea of yeah the Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash like civil war or the little battle that we've got kind of going on, and I think on both communities people need to sort of move past that, right, and just there's no point fighting with you know the crypto community is still so small in the grand scheme of things there's way more people outside of either community who don't know anything about this than people who are in either one right and clearly both chains exist and they've been running for a while so you know should just like focus on focus on your own community and not worry so much about you know trying to tear each other down right crabs in a bucket yeah <laughs> exactly the classic crypto you know uh uh, community behavior I don't know but so yeah then basically the BTC supporters I mean everybody can listen to the recording for themselves uh, the link is right here and make up their own mind right but basically on as far as I could tell uh, the Bitcoin uh, supporters it was more sort of like yeah they don't like the Bitcoin cash is sharing the Bitcoin branding which I would say probably <laughs> Bitcoin cash supporters don't like either uh, both sides of the equation kind of feel like uh, it's a misrepresentation <laughs> on the other half but also neither neither side is going to move off that right neither side is going to be like seed the seed the kind of branding to the other um yeah so i guess there's you know it's a bit of an impasse there uh there's sort of some stuff about you know how bch changed the difficulty algorithm we're going to talk about that a little bit later too as well but uh you know i mean i mean from my perspective when the fork happened you know, BCH sort of had their hand forced, right? Because they were the ones who had to fork off. Um, and just because it was luckily that the BTC, uh, you know, wanted to put in a soft fork rather than a hard fork. And so as a result, you know, kind of had to make some last minute maneuvers uh, to keep themselves in the race. So to me, that wasn't a big deal, but I don't know to other people, they were kind of like, well, if you had to change the difficulty algorithm, it's no longer Bitcoin. Do you have any thoughts about that? Um, yeah, so I like, I really enjoy Vinermani's uh, approach to it, but I have, okay, so his, his idea is like, if Satoshi can come back and spend coins on your chain, it's Bitcoin. Um, but uh, aside from that, I also think like, Bitcoin isn't just any one chain, it's the fractal of all SHA-256 chains with that shared history. And so I suspect at some point it will consolidate and I think it'll be um, incredibly, like, there's there'll be blood on the streets when it does, but I think it'll be a good thing overall. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's the sort of very, uh, the reason that people are so impassioned about this whole thing, despite the chains having been separated now for so long, is that it is, it is really, you know, an ideological kind of battle, yeah. right? And, and I mean, in some ways, the whole cryptocurrency community is an ideological type of uh, movement. So obviously, you know, the, the hardcore are always going to be um, super in, invested in that. I like that. I'd never heard that before. If Satoshi can spend on your chain, then then it's all good. That That's a pretty, uh, a pretty concise and clear definition, you know, that kind of captures what you want to capture. So yeah, I, I guess that's, uh, that's, that's one way of looking at it. Obviously that's not how the BTC supporters on this, um, on this uh, call were, were talking about it. They sort of made some points as well about their like home nodes that they were trying to run, you know, their nodes and that if the, um, if the block size was scaled and there was more transactions, then they would have to buy more storage space for their hard drives and everything and Kim kind of says yeah but the cost of that is getting cheaper you know the sort of standard response uh, that if you really want to run a node A you should be fairly prepared to invest a little bit into it you know we're running like a multi you know half a billion dollars in in Bitcoin at this stage if you, it's not like oh sorry we're going to divert everything so you can run your $10 node at home like that's just not you know it's not like a hobbyist project anymore as much um, so but yeah anyway they have their concerns about that and then also they just kind of there's a lot of like we don't like roger ver is basically what it comes down to um so you know in my opinion basically these uh you know kim's points are focused on business and adoption and utility and the bitcoin supporters are more focused on who they don't don't like or whatever um you know it doesn't seem focused on the real end game of uh Bitcoin adoption, but you know, that's just, that's just my opinion that they're, they're probably not entirely without merit in some of this stuff. Yeah, I suppose. I just don't think it really is that important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully the community can all sort of, uh, come like again, yeah, this, I think the biggest point on this slide is this one here where Kim talks about it or urges the crypto community to move past, uh, infighting. And I think that's a message that needs to uh, get out to everyone. So this this episode, you know, we're going to discuss what is Bitcoin, what is Bitcoin Cash, what are the differences, what are the similarities, you know, because people need to know that information. But I, I don't think on either side, it's not helpful to be rehashing the same debate, which one's better, which one's the real Bitcoin, when it's just like, well, both communities can do their thing. And um, yeah, I think it would be uh, really interesting to, like, essentially take like, I don't know, some 2014 unmoved coin, um, split all of the forks off of it, give one person a bit of every fork and be like, transact with it. See like what, what you can find for adoption. Like what, what of these variants of Bitcoin work the best for you in your day-to-day -day life? Damn, that, that's quite an idea. It's funny because that could actually be uh, feasible. I mean, I don't have any left. I don't think that we're uh, I, I mean, I sold all my Bitcoin, but uh, yeah, that's that's a super interesting idea. And maybe just for people, that's a bit of a thought experiment, right? Which is that if you had yeah. that uh, Bitcoin from back then, which had been on all those forks, uh, whether you did or didn't, you know, for real, just think about it and, and what, what would you be doing with it now? I mean, I guess the B2C price would be the highest, but it might also be the, the hardest to spend, to be honest. So yeah, this there's is, a premium. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, go on, go on. There's a premium for unsplit coins. Is there? So really? Yeah. 
what people will buy what like uh the old chain ones will they yeah somehow? not so they won't it won't just be like the con uh, the consolidation of all the prices of all of the chains but also a markup on top of that because it's like a pure bitcoin so who can who can buy that or because you can't transact those anymore right uh you could so you just um, give them the private key right is that what you're saying like yeah there yeah that's the whole idea but i can't remember how, it's like the uh there was a physical coin that used to have oh you mean the casacious coins yeah those coins would work right yeah yeah true true okay so uh yeah for people who don't know there was this uh famous uh business that was made by this guy who made casacious coins which was at the time about uh you know in the 2013 2014 era there were so many media articles about bitcoin which had pictures of like physical coins on them and you know because the public didn't really have this idea that well, it's just a virtual thing right so it's a coin you know so they would have pictures of uh of uh you know coins in the banner and so he, he made these physical bitcoins which were uh yeah just these sort of um yeah sort of gold colored looking things look let's just look up a picture of one Casacious coins i think is what it was called um casacious yeah, yeah. i just think of like couscous yeah <laughs> yeah so he made these and this is like the um what what they kind of looked like where yeah they were just sort of like a one dollar coin or something like this but you can see here it's got 25 bitcoins on this one and he had 10 bitcoins and whatever so this was then the price was way lower right when it was like sub a hundred dollars uh and the thing was that he made the uh he let's see what it says here contained an embedded piece of paper with a digital bitcoin value covered by a tamper resistant holograms Cassation coins are available in 1, 10, 25, 100, and 1,000 BTC increments, right? So it was this physical coin which had the private key stored on it, and the only way to get it out was basically to destroy the coin. So you could hand around the coins to anyone, just like a real, you know, $1 coin or whatever. But then to if you wanted to actually get the Bitcoin out and transfer it another way besides physically handing it to someone, you would have to have to destroy it. So... These became uh, a bit iconic because as the value skyrocketed, suddenly these were not only, um, you know, they were like collective items as well as obviously in insanely valuable. Like if you had a Casagius coin now, which was worth a uh, thousand BTC on it, I don't know if any of those exist, but that would be what millions of dollars at this point, right? A thousand BTC, a thousand BCH, a thousand BTG, a thousand BSV. That's, that's, that's a lot of money. So if anybody yeah. has any one of those stuck, stuck down the back of their couch, uh, maybe, maybe fish them out and just <laughs> make sure you... Yeah, hit me up. I want to do some social experiments. <laughs> yeah. Well, anybody, anybody who does own a Casagius uh, Bitcoin, they could definitely uh, yeah, send me a message and you can, you can come on the show and uh, talk about the story of it, how you got it. And, and everything like that. If you got one of these, you are you are a real uh, crypto OG. That is for sure. So, yeah. So basically, uh, I mean, I think now that the two communities are starting to split. I mean, I saw this was a very interesting uh, post by this guy Michael Saylor, who's very big in the BTC community right now, where he says uh, on his Twitter, "With all due respect, Bitcoin is not a currency. It is not replacing the dollar. It is a monetary asset rapidly replacing gold as the store of value." It will coexist with fiat currencies as it attracts capital from weaker safe haven assets, which is, I think, I would disagree with in just about every single uh, 
line, but I think it's an interesting idea that they have this sort of cryptocurrency. You know, it's called that for a reason, right? It's a combination of the cryptographic security and the the currency aspect, and it's now been determined that it's kind of not a currency. Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, I think what he's talking about, and I, one thing I think that is okay to this is that, uh, well, if Bitcoin, you know, now, obviously, uh, if it is going to go in that direction, that's fine. Like, you know, it's a free market. Uh, and if Bitcoin wants to be a store of value and, uh, you know, replace gold, well, that's fine. I don't think anybody's going to get in their way, right? But it does just sort of, yeah, underscore to me that it is not replacing the dollar like that's 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 not what bitcoin cash is doing bitcoin cash is is coming for the dollar for sure you know yeah i'm interested to see because i think um gold is like has an inflated value from the whole store of value thing yeah um so it'll be interesting to see like gold go to a almost like a fundamentals like an um, industrial usage type price right yeah where like whatever you know electronics or like crown filings or whatever it's used in right that's the price of it and any sort of leftover you know goes into bitcoin maybe yeah yeah i don't know well it's interesting i mean to me i think if bitcoin cash succeeds well people will just it'll be a store of value too it'll be a currency and it will be a store of value which is what the original back in the day was and so i don't really see a lot of a lot of space for bitcoin but definitely for the time being while it is still got the biggest brand and the most known and maybe the most institutional kind of investors on Wall Street and stuff are interested in it, you know, it's definitely, uh, it's, it can kind of have that niche for the time being, I guess. So yeah, I also saw this uh, stats from uh, BitPay, who are the biggest uh, payment processor for cryptocurrencies. And this is, uh, this November 2020 is before that huge ramp up in uh transactions we were looking at before right so i'm sure it will have changed at least a little bit now but the idea was basically that in june you know bitcoin was still most of the market but then as time goes on bitcoin is having its actual payment uh you know share of the market being being gold up because it's just well i guess eth is quite uh quite a big hold on shit. is that yeah. all xrp yeah apparently yeah this black uh this black segment here in the pie chart so for the audio listeners basically on this left i've got this graph here june 2020 uh with the transactions on bitpay uh, as to their currency so in june 2020 bitcoin was probably what about 85 percent or maybe you know closer to 85 90 percent and then it split up to bch ethereum uh, and ripple primarily basically comprising the rest in about a third each and then november 2020 it's closer to more like 77 or 76 uh, percent is Bitcoin and, you know, BCH is what, 5 percent, ETH is 10 percent, you know, Ripple is closer to 9 or 10 percent as well. So, think, you know, think, things are shifting. If Bitcoin's going to be a digital gold, it seems, or a store of value or whatever, it seems like it's, it's losing the, there's an obvious trend here, basically, away from it being used to buy stuff because, like we said before, you're not going to buy a t-shirt for 20 bucks if it costs you five dollars when you could pay one cent you know um there was actually 
I don't know. You're not on Twitter, right? Uh, no, I think I do have a Twitter account. I signed up for a Twitter account when uh, Kim, Kim.com, he asked for um, people to submit if they were like Bitcoin devs and to send him a message. So I sent him a message, he didn't reply, but that's all good. Yeah, but I, I don't use Twitter otherwise, yeah. Yeah, I put out a tweet a couple of days ago. My mom's fiance started mining just with nice hash oh, and nice. um he got like 130 btc or, or no sorry 130 canadian dollars i was gonna say 130 btc yeah 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 <laughs> uh in about a month so he's like all right so how do i use it i recommended him purse.io uh he sent some money over there for an order but then they added shipping and taxes to his order so he went to send another 20 dollars um, but the fee to send it was like $15. And I was like, I, and that day I just paid my uh, credit card bill yeah. with Bitcoin cash. And it was, um, yeah, 0 0.001 Canadian dollars to send like 400 and some. So I sent him a screenshot and I was like, this is where it's at, man. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that NiceHash now supported BCH. So he's like, all right, awesome. I'll just convert it. Um, before I even move it. But this is literally his first experience with, with Bitcoin. And it was bad enough that he's like, okay, I'll use this like right off the bat. Yeah, nice. Well, that's right. You know, and I think that's something that the BTC community don't, don't, don't really have a concept of is you can say, oh, we're going to be digital gold and everything. But what you got to understand is uh, the, the differential, right? The change in the community size. Because if you think, oh, well, you know, Bitcoin's great and they think, oh, okay, I know five people and none of them are selling out of Bitcoin, we're solid. But the thing is, if everybody who's new comes and who isn't maybe plugged into that community and doesn't have all those, you know, all those connections and ideas and like confidence and thinks, yeah, wait, this just isn't working or this costs too much or it's bad experience or whatever, they just bounce right off and they go look at something else. And if... If that ends up being Bitcoin Cash, I mean, again, it comes back to the branding and all that. And people just think, oh, okay, they don't know what why that is, but they just know, okay, well, there's Bitcoin, which is not really working, but there's Bitcoin Cash, which is basically the same thing. It's great, you know. Yeah. So I started, I shared that around, and I've of course got like a couple BTC trolls, but that's not important. What I found interesting was I had a lot of BSV folks trying to be like, I think the caption to it was, "Man's first experience with BTC leads him to BCH." Yeah. And so I had a lot of responses that were like, oh, just skip the middleman, come to BSV. But the context doesn't make any fucking sense to me, right? So, so here's a man using NiceHash who doesn't support BSV, who wants to send his funds to Purse, who doesn't support BSV, <laughs> to buy things using a wallet that doesn't support BSV. Any of these people that are like, oh, he should have just used BSV, if I recommended that to him, I'd be recommending something that is useless to his daily life. Like it has so little adoption that he would have to convert it to something else. And so I don't understand, like BCH has just as much, if not more adoption in my experience than BTC. Yeah. So it gives it that much more um, utility. And while BSV might be able to scale, and I don't even want to get into like the theory about it, um, like it yeah it's just not usable so yeah no absolutely i mean i i personally know very little about bsv either i i you know what i try to do is i try and weight the opinions that i that i get uh based on how close to reality they are in the sense that if i am on the street and i saw someone like you know like you're doing right now wearing a bch thing that would to me would be like 
it's happening, you know? But if you see a hundred okay. Twitter posts, well, that counts for a fraction of that, uh, seeing that person, right? Because it can be a very small uh, crowd of people online can make a lot of noise if they're very passionate or they have a good strategy for it or, or whatever, right? And in my experience, I have not seen any merchant accepts B, BSV or even BTC, right? Recently, there was a period where that was happening way back in the day and that was really exciting. Uh, but you don't see that on BTC, you don't see that on BSV, but you do see on the, you know, our BTC on the BCH like subreddits, you do see people being like, look, this is, you know, my local whatever and I'm mates with them and now they're accepting it, you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure just last night the Hayden Auto shared a, uh, a screenshot from a TV show. Uh, something yeah, to do right. with yeah, like the amazing race. taxi cabs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had a Bitcoin Cash accepted here sticker on the window to the cab, and that was on like their national television. So yeah, yeah. Let's let's line that up. I thought that was really uh, really interesting, actually. Yeah, because I mean, uh, he and I are both Australian, right? So let's see. Here it is. Here it is. Bitcoin Cash accepted here stickers seen on national TV. So I yeah, I guess you maybe you don't know this show, but right. But the idea is it's called uh, The Amazing Race and it's sort of like this travel show where you get teams of two people. So it'll be like a pair of sisters or like a husband and wife or father, son. It's usually that kind of thing, right? Uh, and you get told, okay, you've got to get from here to here and you can just freestyle, you know, if you want to get a cab to the airport and then fly and then, you know, get a train or whatever and you've got to do certain challenges along the way, all that kind of thing, right? So it's a, okay. it's a classic like, so yeah, I mean, it is turning into a bit of a race and a bit of a, scrambled you know it's all hyped up for tv as well but the idea is that it is people just moving around in the real world right i don't think they have any special like you know it would have been so badass what if they were like out of money at the end of their cab and they were like oh shit i do have some bitcoin cash do you take that just... and the guy just yeah and then it's like boom 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 done and then they just fucking get out yeah start going to the next spot that'd be sick yeah well i think that'll happen you know at some point like we're saying yeah this uh, little uh Bitcoin Cash sticker here, and I've seen again. I'm not in Australia. I haven't been back quite a while, actually. But one thing that I did uh, notice is that there's been a couple of like posts of people being like, "Oh, we're at the Perth meetup, so we're doing this or that." Yeah. And it seems like Australians do seem to be a little bit uh, switched on about this uh, because, yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems like they, I don't know, we're a gold-based country. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Isn't the airport, um, sorry, what's the main, um, is there like a main Australian airport? What, like the Sydney International Airport? Okay, okay. I know one of Australia's airports, like something like 90 plus percent of its vendors accept a variety of cryptocurrencies. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that, but maybe maybe it could be the Melbourne Airport or the Brisbane Airport, or I don't know, actually. Maybe, maybe. Well, I think the advantage there would be like, so many international travelers aren't going to convert their fiat, right? Yeah. But if you have a small touristy country that uh, attracts a lot of those in, uh, uh, international travelers that all kind of have, have some <laughs> I don't know, I feel like they're like, they kind of see a bigger picture already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I definitely, I would love to get, uh, yeah, get, get some more Aussies on the show maybe. And we'll, we'll find out how it is on the ground. I can also confirm that, uh, in this last week or maybe even in this last two weeks my my parents uh who i've been telling for eight years about cryptocurrency and oh, this is hype and everything and they thought okay this is our son getting scammed 
what a troll, whatever. Uh, and then I guess eventually that came around to, okay, that maybe there's something to this. And finally now we're at the point where they're like, oh, okay, we're, we're sort of interested in this. So, you know, hi, mum and dad, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, they said like, okay, yeah, you know, our family's like starting to look into this, you know, some of my um, relatives and everything like that as well. So yeah, you know, I think to me, at least it seems that we are sort of breaking past that tipping point where there's just been long enough things have normalized that cryptocurrency is not this weird online scam or whatever that that there is there is something uh, tangible, tangible to it 2021 too, you know, it's, it just seems like the future compared to maybe in the mid, you know, 2013, 2014, like the 20 teens was when crypto was kind of coming into the public consciousness. And now it's like a whole new decade. So maybe people have uh, are more open-minded to it there. But yeah, this is pretty cool. I got to be honest, this, uh, when I saw this, it did, uh, did make me smile. So yeah, that's it. BCH killing it there. So yeah. And th again, this is kind of the same thing. There was this post as well on the, on the subreddit. Oh yeah. That was, yeah, that was George. Yeah. yeah and, and, uh, he's in South America. So he, you know, posted like for people who, you know, don't speak Spanish, basically saying like, uh, Hey, listen, uh, this, this uh, guy who's messaging him says, Hey, listen, I need to get some money off you to buy the rest of my materials. Cause he was getting his, he was trying to paint, paint his house. Right. And he says, sure. Like charge me whatever you want. Um, like, do you want Bitcoin cash or, or pesos, like the local currency or, or what? And the guy just replies, he forwards his, uh, his address in. So you can see he's already got it ready to go. Like it's in his wallet app or it's in his whatever. And then he just says Bitcoin. And like, I love that. I love that. This made me smile. That's how it's going to go, man. Well, that's, that's right. And I think for BTC as well, you know, this is the kind of stuff that they're not thinking about because the original, um, you know, promise of, of Bitcoin was so much around like communities in uh, South America, like Venezuela, where the currency is hyperinflating or in, remittances and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, remittances, uh, Southeast Asia as well. Like I've seen it on read.cash, a lot of people in the Philippines and things like that are, are getting into it where, yeah, it has to be those, those small amounts, but it does build very rapidly. I think probably some of that kind of grassroots adoption, like a real community of people so yeah that was pretty cool and uh one of the last uh, <laughs> last bit of topical news is uh nigeria bans their banks from touching cryptocurrency which is Good. incredible because uh hey they have a bit of a reputation for the whole nigerian prince like uh online scam kind of thing but interestingly nigeria is the number one country in the world by more than double it's like more than Austria is number two. Nigeria is more than double that in terms of the search volume for Bitcoin. So I don't know whether a lot of people in Nigeria are <laughs> looking into Bitcoin for the, you know, the whole um, Nigerian Prince scam. Maybe they figure they can scam people with Bitcoin or, well, I, I guess, you know, it would be qu quite effective probably because it's irreversible. But also, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if there was some more kind of on the ground adoption going on there too, because as far as I know, Nigeria actually has really good internet. Like they invested a lot in um, their their internet infrastructure with like Wi-Fi and everything like that, because, uh, you know, they sort of got to skip over that whole landlines uh, phase yeah. and go straight to that. So yeah, you know, super interesting. And you can see here some of the local Bitcoins volume that I've got, like there is actually pretty decent uh, peer to peer volume. So 
everybody who was like last week, Luke asked me about uh, on the show about regulation and about countries banning Bitcoin, you know, and stuff. Well, we're going to see an example here, right? Which is that if the if you get cut off at the banks, it's sort of that's a bad thing in one sense, but in the other sense, it probably heightens the peer to peer aspect of it, right? Because people yeah. could still trade direct to each other and maybe that's how it's going to go down you know good <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't see this as a bad thing whatsoever yeah yeah well yeah we'll, we'll see like maybe uh maybe. pushes the culture towards peer-to-peer -to -peer, towards security like fuck yeah yeah so on on the ground adoption if yeah again if any listeners are in nigeria i don't think we have any of those but if there are at some point send in a message and uh let us know it's going down there so yeah i thought today we'd just do a bit of a breakdown of bitcoin versus bth just the once off the guide cover everything what are the similarities what are the differences all of that let's just go over it and then we can refer people back to this episode if they've got any of those questions so the first thing is the bitcoin and bitcoin cash were at one time one and the same which was originally known as bitcoin uh, the genesis block in 2009 it uh, went along and then it split here in 2017 uh, so everybody was on one currency and then it's like a sort of like a stock split the cryptocurrency version of that where everybody who had Bitcoin gets an equal amount of Bitcoin cash and an equal amount of Bitcoin and from that to that point where they're split people can freely trade on the open market as to which one they like or which one they want to use or or whatever um, so yeah that's 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 how it works uh, so yeah, let's look at the, so the things that are the same, number one is, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, the, uh, creator who made the Genesis block or whatever. So anybody who's trying to tell you like Bitcoin cash was like a knockoff or a spinoff or anything like, like you were saying earlier, if Satoshi can still spend on it, it's still like, at least in some way <laughs> related to the original Bitcoin. And, uh, that's kind of what we got here. All right, and then number two, so we've got the white paper. So that is like uh, where Satoshi outlined exactly how it was all going to work. Uh, like I talked about on one of the earlier episodes, maybe the Bitcoin community is moving away from that. And given that they're going for, a, you know, it says here, a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system, if they want to be digital gold, well, they're probably going to abandon that plan. But uh, Bitcoin cash, that that's the way it's... Uh, it's going to roll, you know? Yeah, I think even the digital gold narrative is just going to switch to store of value rather than digital gold. Right, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I think at the time of the fork too, this whole store of value and digital gold, that, that's a bit of a post hoc like rationalization in my mind because at the time of the split, it, there was no discussion about that. But in hindsight, yeah. now that the fees are going up and everything like that, that's that's sort of the what that community has decided they want to go for. So... Number three, what's the same is that there's 21 million Bitcoins and 21 million Bitcoin cash. Well, there will be uh, and that they have they have. So the supply uh, cuts out every or, or halves um, every 210,000 blocks, which is about every four years. Uh, and it will finish up in 2140 approximately. So as uh, you can see on this chart here, Basically, at the at the start, the supply was quite rapid. There was like 50 new bitcoins uh, every 10 minutes, and then it cut off uh, in 2012, and it went down to half of that. It went down to 25, and then again in 20. I think it was late 2016, 
uh, it halved again, or early 2017, maybe I think it was late 2016. Uh, it went to 12.5. Five, and now it's down to 6.25 in each block for both Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash as they slowly uh, progress along. And yeah, that uh, that countdown is just going to keep uh, keep decreasing as, as it goes along. Do you know if there is a uh, like global M0 chart somewhere? Uh, I don't know, actually. Let's have a look here. I think it would be really interesting to see... Here we go, FX Empire, supply M0 across the globe. Here we go, wow, okay. Uh, here I go. think it'd be super interesting if we could superimpose um, the timeline between like, what, 2010 to 2140 or so. Yeah. Of the global money supply versus the global Bitcoin supply. That's a, that is a good idea. I mean, we might have to whip that up and come back to it next time. But that is a good idea. I mean, part of the problem with the M0, which is like the cash, you know, supply like USD or, or whatever that exists over time. The issue with comparing them is that the future supply is not known, right? Which is a big yeah. part of why uh, fiat currencies have have this kind of a problem where the, um, like, let's just see, you know, if we look at the Federal Reserve M0, like, yeah, I know at least in like the US and Canada, the M0 since Corona has like four or five X. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going up. Uh, yeah, I might not be able to find it uh, right now. Yeah, we're doing no, here. if you go, if you go back to that uh, and then click uh, chart, and uh, switch it to line. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then chart on uh, the top. And then line chart. Here we go. Yeah. And then, and then you can do the, the time. Yeah. So let's get what the 10 year chart. Wow. Okay. So let me just. Let me just rearrange these a little bit so we can have a look at them side by side. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this is, well, here we go. So this is sort of roughly 2009, 2012-ish uh, uh, kind of uh, era. So yeah, I guess people can have a look here. So the Bitcoin uh, supply is on a, uh, it increases at a de decreasing rate. So it has an asymptote towards uh, 2140. And then we have here the, well, I mean, this is a pretty shitty graph because it doesn't start at zero, but the, uh, the USD uh, chart since 2012 has gone from, what's this? About two billion, one, two, three. Yeah, about, no, hang on, two million up to, well, two and a half times that. So five million. I wonder what the scale is here. Uh, well, I guess, well, maybe that's it. Is there only five, uh, five million uh, USD in M0? Oh, I have my, I have my doubts about that. Yeah, I have, I have. Because M0 is that. cash and like the cash in someone's account, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at, yeah. A, at a bank account or something. Oh, I have, yeah, I think we're going to need to read up on this and figure it, like I could figure if this was like the supply in millions or something like that, but. Check out, uh, yeah. check out Canada's. Okay. It's uh interesting all right let's say do they have uh, Canada here here we go Canada uh, let's see Canada right where's the chart at government bonds currency here we go Canadian dollar no we're I'd still want the m0 I mean, that graph is pretty depressing, too, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> right, here we go, 10 years. All right, so, okay. So, that's still just the valuation. Ah, uh, yeah, that's the price, okay. 
Where have we got? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Where's where's the graph at? Currency, government bonds. I don't know. I just Google Canadian M zero and fucking. All right, let's have let's have a quick look at this. M zero supply. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Chart. Go to line. Wow. Okay. All right. This is not. That since Corona. This is not looking good. Wow. So, basically, since 2012, when it was sub uh, sub one million according to this graph. Uh, and then after 2020, so it just sort of gradually went up from about 60,000, whatever the scale is on this graph, to just, oh, I mean, 600,000 to uh, about 1 million. And then since Corona, it's gone from 1 million to 4.5 million. So it's just like this straight line. Like, it's like the BCH transactions graph. It's just going <laughs> straight, <laughs> straight up, man. Wow, I had no idea about this. This is nuts. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you give everyone $2,000 yeah. and you don't check. I, I guess so, man. Like, uh, and, and I guess this, this is sort of, uh, you know, making the case for uh, Bitcoin right here, I guess. As, uh, we can yeah. see this has been since the early days, right? This is how it's, what it's about. Looking at these charts, you definitely see the argument uh, for like a, a protection against asset inflation or like... Um, The I can't even remember the right phrase for it, like but like essentially as the yeah. dollar devalues, store of like value, yeah. people are going to look into, yeah, but I don't think it's just a store of value. I think uh, in this case, it's like a temporary safe haven because mm. um, they don't know, like if all of the stocks are denominated in a fiat currency and the future value of that fiat currency is completely unpredictable, whereas mm. you see the trend of like, okay, every everyday people are going towards this. Yeah, like, cap like capital flight, I think is uh, one, one, one way of putting it. Yeah, that basically, I mean, it's pretty much just supply and demand, right? If there is, if there is a certain, if there is a fixed supply of, uh, Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or any cryptocurrency, and there is a, just a constantly rocketing supply of uh, fiat. Well, then obviously your your value is going to deplete in the fiat because even even if even if neither of the economies actually change in their size or their you know uh, value or anything like that, just just by there being more of one, <laughs> the the value is going to be preserved uh, kind of in the other one uh, in that ratio, right? That the ratio will will increase um, with the price going up. But I had no idea about this. This is insane. Now let's have a look at Australia then. I'm curious now. Uh, I actually have no idea what the, what the government's been, uh, been up to recently in terms of uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia. Let's have a look here. Okay, 10 year. Oh, okay, not good news in Australia either. <laughs> Uh, so Australia on this graph, somehow the scale is completely different, but it's uh, 50 at, uh, at the start of 2012, and then it sort of bumped up to closer to what's this, like 80 in uh, 2014, and then a steady rise up to about 120, and then in 2020, uh, with the coronavirus crisis and stuff, it just basically doubled up to over 200. So, wow, that's actually... Do you remember like six months ago the imf put out some cheesy music video about uh low and stable inflation uh, it just doesn't make any sense but the thing is you know it's incredible to me that the whole cryptocurrency i didn't know about any of this stuff like 
most people, I guess, don't know about this stuff, right? That it's just literally the, the world economy, everybody thinks, oh, that's the economic section of the newspaper. And unless you're really into it, and even if you are really into it, even if you're somebody who trades stocks or you whatever, whatever, people don't necessarily follow what is going on with the money that they use every single day. It just touches every part of your life in terms of how much money you make, what you can buy, and the prices of things changing. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So in my city, rent increases have gone up like thirty-eight and a half percent. For one example, it, right? just and in this is just it, years time. Yeah, in this uh, last year, because of that uh, graph we were looking at before. Well, I don't think we've really felt the effects of the graph yet, but I think that people that are increasing their prices are going like, "How do I prepare?" Wow. And I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because once people start increasing yeah. their prices, other people take that as a signal in the market. They do the same thing, and then, yeah. Jeez. So what does minimum wage have to four x in order to like keep up? Like, yeah. Anyway, this is like <laughs> just like nightmare fuel for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine. Well, you know, probably a good idea to have a little bit of Bitcoin cash, <laughs> one one way or another. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of uh, one thing that both Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash do have though is a predictable supply and a predictable uh, emission rate which as I said, uh, increases at a decreasing rate and it is now 2021. So it is already more than like 85% uh, of the money is already in circulation. So the inflation rate in Bitcoin, which was very high initially, will be dropping off um, quite substantially. So there's a lot more room that if the economy value grows and the, ex the value expands, that that, that, you know, that, that value will be refle reflected in the price rather than just going to paying uh, for miners to mine, mine more coins. All right, so number four that is the same between the two of them is the mining algorithm, which is this SHA-256. Uh, and I think this is important for people to understand because critically, it means that the miners for Bitcoin are the same ones that mine Bitcoin Cash and that they can swap back and forth at will, where they can't just swap to Litecoin or Dogecoin or whatever other coins, uh, I don't think there is any other, besides Bitcoin variants, are there any SHA-256 coins? No, right? Uh, not completely. I think like, um, now I might be wrong about this, but I think both Decred and Digibyte use SHA-256 as like a multi-algorithmic uh, mining system. Like I think Digibyte uses five different algorithms. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's just a, uh, like reduce the risk of centralization of mining powers mm -hmm. but yeah i'm not i think i think those are the only two that i'm aware of that could have 256 and even still it's shared with others yeah wow okay so basically yeah the the idea is that when people are mining um bitcoins they're running their computer to try and solve this uh computer problem basically and uh that there's a certain, you know, there's certain rules to that problem, right? In in Bitcoin, the hashing algorithm, the mining algorithm is called SHA-256. And so when like Litecoin was invented, which was the first major alternative to Bitcoin, one of the things that was changed was, oh, okay, I'm gonna make it a new algorithm. And what that did was meant that people who had developed very specialized hardware and computer chips to mine Bitcoin couldn't mine Litecoin, right? So then, you know, a new industry developed around making those chips for Litecoin. So every different uh, currency yeah, now has, you know, have adopted their own schemes or their own, uh, yeah, I don't know, their own algorithms for this, but for Bitcoin and for Bitcoin Cash and for Bitcoin SV and whatever other versions of Bitcoin, 
uh, unless they change it, it is the SHA-256 algorithm. And I, for me, that is one of the great strengths of Bitcoin Cash that another currency doesn't have, which is that if Bitcoin Cash can outcompete Bitcoin, then it will all the miners will switch over and it will already have that huge mining infrastructure in place that another you know smaller coin couldn't necessarily replicate yeah i mean some uh miners would get out competed actually right because they would have to scale their fucking <laughs> operation their infrastructure yeah. yeah yeah it's just this endless like uh arms race of everybody trying to make the the next and that's true in every single uh kind of cryptocurrency but that, right? that'd be good overall too right like um then i think the hardware side of scaling would also become a little more specialized which might be a bad short term because specialized means centralized in my mind but um, over the span of things like or over time I guess um, that would make the infrastructure much more reliable mm. yeah I mean that's an interesting point is is uh, specialization naturally leading to centralization when I think of specialization what I think of is the global market economy that we have now with 7 billion people and basically to get uh, you know if you want to get a job at McDonald's you it's not really that specialized anybody can learn that in 20 minutes and you can work there right but to be a neurosurgeon you have to have trained for all these years and just gone into this more and more specialized field and we still have a lot of neurosurgeons just because the population overall is is quite big so yeah, I don't know. In that case, too, it's not just that they have to train, but they have to, um, like, study, train, and get... Um, Practice. Essentially, like... Exposure. Like, um, no, no, like, they have to be given, like, the... Like, essentially, the decree that they're okay, either through a degree oh, or right, an yeah. institution or a mentor or something. Yeah, yeah, there's some sort of, yeah, barriers to entry, like, uh, yeah, credentials that you need to tick off as well you can't just rock up to the hospital and say trust me i'm a neurosurgeon let me just what's who's the first operation of the day yeah where's the scalpel at like <laughs> it's uh, interesting though um i was part of the like osaka virtual meetup recently mm -hmm. and they were talking about there was an exchange that reached out to um emergent re reasons and was like like you guys are so deep, like Bitcoin Cash, you guys are so decentralized. We don't know who to talk to, mm. um, which I think is both a good and a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, but it it made it makes me happy knowing like it feels like it's kind of the point. Like you're not supposed to know who to talk to. Like if you have a good idea, go and go fucking do it. Do it. Yeah, that's like, no, it's yeah. permissionless, right? That's the big. That's the sort of the the buzzword phrase for it right and i think and this podcast like i think is quite a quite a good example of that that i've been a big follower of bitcoin and bitcoin cash and cryptocurrency for a long time but i was just sitting there one day and i just thought damn this could uh, this is a, the community could really use this in my opinion and so i just just started i didn't i didn't ask anybody and i didn't even think oh let me just contact the bitcoin cash uh, organization or the <laughs> the yeah, whoever make sure i'm not saying anything wrong yeah exactly make sure uh yeah i've got the stamp of approval or whatever you know you can just do it and i encourage that that's true for everyone uh in every cryptocurrency if you like that cryptocurrency and you want to make it better and hopefully you're not in it just to see the price rise but if you want to see the price rise what you can actually contribute besides buying more uh which obviously has a limit eventually you'll run out of money is to is to make something for the the community and just do it and share it and and uh there you go and and we will come back to this because it's i have a section about the nodes and everything
uh, as well. So yeah, just before we move off this mining algorithm, so one thing to know is that the difficulty adjustment uh, in the mining uh, algorithm is, well, it's not in the mining algorithm, but alongside the mining algorithm ha has been different in uh, Bitcoin Cash. And uh, Bitcoin, we sort of mentioned that before with the Nakamoto consensus and that whole discussion that they had with uh, Kim.com. But we will come back to that, but that's uh, just something to note. So, okay, here we go. So yeah, this is, sort of, we already sort of discussed this, right? But basically the mining pools for Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and also Bitcoin SV or any others uh, are shared. So the mining pools can switch back and forth between the chains and they actually do that fairly regularly in terms of if the price changes, they uh, adjust to those market forces and move back and forth. And for, yeah, for anybody who hasn't seen it, definitely I recommend looking up these uh, graphs of the hash rate and having a you know this is quite uh this is actually quite healthy i'd say uh in yeah, terms it's of gotten the, quite a bit more diverse over the past year too yeah definitely i when i think about looking at these graphs a few years ago there, there was usually two or three big players and then you know a bunch of smaller ones so it was still like nobody was in control but obviously over time the system is working in that in that people are splitting out into more and more uh you know different groups uh, just because any anybody can uh, get into it, and there's a constant competition to, I suppose. So, yeah, I think I'm really uh, I'm really glad to see that actually that it is it is coming along like that. That, that bodes well. Currency, okay. And so then the community infrastructure. So this is another thing I think that is undervalued by people when they think about the split from uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash is that even though uh, the chains split and they were going their separate ways, cryptocurrency as a whole still had a lot of momentum and currencies that already had Bitcoin, pretty easy to add Bitcoin Cash or any other companies that are in the crypto space, it's much harder to get into the crypto space than once you're in it to switch currencies or in a lot of cases to support multiple currencies. So all that building and all that value in these kind of companies, wallets, exchanges, news sources, payment processes, etc. all that value does spread around to every single uh, cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. I agree completely. <laughs> I got nothing else to add. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think it's just a, an interesting thing because some things are specialized, right? Like a certain wallet can focus on the certain feature of a coin or maybe add features that they couldn't have in other, in other, um, in other currencies or, or, or whatever. Yeah, it's like um, elect uh, cash shuffle and electron cash. Yeah, yeah, cash fusion. Yeah, or exactly. cash fusion now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So those kind of those kind of initiatives do over time they do sort of fragment and, and become um, distinct, but uh, definitely at the time of the split and probably forever more there will always be the ability to uh, to support multiple currencies for for businesses that are in the space. And so in that way, even when you look at the coin market cap and you look at the different sizes, that's not necessarily indicative of actually how much infrastructure there is available because the infrastructure available might be available to a lot of the biggest coins as a huge base layer and then their individual merits are built kind of on top of that. Uh, so I think that's something for people to keep in mind. All right, so let's get to the good bit, which is the differences between Bitcoin Cash and BTC. And this is the first and the biggest one. I'm interested in your thoughts on this, that uh, the Bitcoin logo and brand is obviously Bitcoin with the B, which looks like the Thai part symbol, uh, but the B with the little, uh, I don't know what they call the little wings, a little, I don't know, little extensions, the <laughs> straight lines through it. 
uh, the B in the orange circle and Bitcoin Cash has obviously added the cash and also got the uh, green color. So I, I'm interested in what are your thoughts, but I think there's a number of important things to point out here. Um, so I remember being uh, like involved, like in the community discussions when people were arguing about color and branding and whatnot. And uh, my, I think it was my very first GitHub repo ever was I made a shell script that took the Bitcoin Cash logo um, and ran it through image magic in every single hue with every single saturation with every single light source. Wow. So I made every color possible. Uh -huh. um, and the description of the repo was like, what's the color of the Bitcoin Cash logo? All of them, fuck you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. I really like the green. Like, I think um, as a like, general adoption and branding the green with the tilt up is a much more like comforting and optimistic um logo to me than the or and it's weird because bitcoin btc is always like that number go up but to have the b facing down is uh i don't know it just seems odd to me yeah well i agree with you i mean i originally i was very attached to the original uh, Bitcoin, because obviously the, the you know the the logo that was the one that represented everybody, and I was used to that, and also just the the B, you know, and I think even at some stage the orange it was quite uh, it's quite a high contrast color, right? So it helped it to stick out in those early days and be ah oh, this is different, and it's it, it sort of had that vibe to it. So then when it split off into Bitcoin Cash, even though I supported Bitcoin Cash. Uh, for all the technical reasons and ideologically and stuff, I was always kind of like, oh, damn, you know, but we had to change the branding. But over time, I've come to really uh, like it. I think it's actually an improvement to have the Bitcoin Cash brand, because as you say, green, A, it's the color of uh, money. People say cash is green in the in the US. Uh, and then also, yeah, like you're saying, it's about green is the color of nature and of growth. I mean, <laughs> Bitcoin maybe not that great for nature, but for growth, you know, and when the exchange ticker, when it goes up, it's green. And when it goes you know, down, it's uh, red or even maybe orange, right? So it's a more positive uh, vibe like that and, and more welcoming. I agree the tilting of the logo upwards, it just makes it seem like it's looking up. It's on the, you know, it's looking towards the future. Uh, yeah. And even the addition of the cash, I think a subtle point that people don't um, maybe get as much is that when when you talk to people about Bitcoin, one of the things I've heard the most common is you try and explain to them, you, the first thing you say, are there's 21 million Bitcoin, and they already sort of know, okay, the price is whatever the price is, and they say, I don't have enough money to buy one though. And it's just like, yeah. you have to explain, oh, but it's divisible and you can buy a smaller amount of it. And what that doesn't just that, you know, a coin, people think of it in a discrete unit. But with cash, if you say Bitcoin cash, I haven't heard anybody say, oh, I don't have enough, uh, to, you know, because cash is divisible, right? It's already sort of built into the concept and it's even maybe just a bit more approachable because everybody understands Bitcoin, you know, or they've heard about that, whatever impression they have. But Bitcoin cash, it's kind of like, yeah, but this is the more sort of friendlier uh, alternative or more casual alternative, right? Yeah, I think, too, this kind of goes back to the whole, like, they're both Bitcoin. And so if BTC just is this store of value, then when people say Bitcoin Cash, they're going to recognize it as, oh, that's the Bitcoin that I use for my transactions in my daily life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As, and I, yeah. eventually they might just call it Cash, right? If we do get rid of fiat cash then 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think it's quite ironic uh, in some senses that currently, or uh, after the fork, a lot of the BTC supporters, they call Bitcoin Cash Bcash uh, to try and sort yeah. of uh, spread this kind of impression that it wasn't related or that it was a different thing or, or whatever. And Bitcoin Cash has fought very hard to keep to keep that association, that it is still uh, part of the Bitcoin brand. But I think, And I think that's a good thing in two respects. One is that, like you're saying, people have to distinguish, okay, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, they're curious, what's the difference? And they look into it and they need to educate themselves and figure it out. They can't, uh, if they just go with Bitcoin and they think, oh, Bitcoin Cash is a knockoff, surely at some, at some point or another, they will get the idea of, you know, why, why is this? Why, you know, how did this all go? And then you understand forks and you understand cryptocurrency and more. But the other part, I think, is also that Bitcoin Cash has the opportunity as time goes by to differentiate itself, like you're saying. Like if, if Bitcoin has a huge meltdown, the transaction fees get too high, everybody switches over to Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, maybe we'd just call it cash or maybe I even think BitCash is quite, uh, quite catchy or, or whatever. And that can be sort of, worked in there maybe now is not the right time because uh having that association with bitcoin is quite useful but if bitcoin does completely melt down then bitcoin cash will be yeah well that, that was that was them this is us you know it's still yeah. still kicking off right so i think yeah it's subtly this these these logos this is a huge deal bitcoin is just traditionally cryptocurrency not a very marketing focused type of industry you know a lot of uh, engineering uh, a lot of technical focus rather than design or or branding but uh yeah i think bitcoin cash is on a winner with uh with that one in my mind okay my second point the block size limit so this was the cause of the initial uh fork is that btc wanted to have one megabyte and they've stuck with that and at the time the argument was more sort of like it's too early to raise the block size limit or something, but that's kind of calcified into we're never going to raise the limit pretty much, which... Uh, yeah, it's too early and it would lead to centralization. Yeah. And so then Bitcoin Cash split off because people didn't really believe that one megabyte was enough. They thought, well, maybe could we have two or four or whatever? And they split off and they had eight and then they later raised it to 32. And of course, uh, now we're starting to see the impact of that, that... Bitcoin Core has uh, these fees of five to ten dollars, at least, uh, if not more. While Bitcoin Cash is still one, uh, like less than one cent, uh, because you can always get into the next block because they've created more more room, right? So the block size limit and uh, and fees, yeah, was a big issue. All right, cool. And then we got. Uh, Number three is the community and the mission statement. So we've already been talking about this a bit, but BTC has sort of decided that maybe it wants to be a store of value or digital gold and Bitcoin Cash as peer-to-peer -peer digital cash. But I think what people need to understand as well is that the difference in the community is quite, is quite stark and over time will be the deciding factor, right? There's a lot that can be said for the technology or the branding or this or that, right? But the point of a cryptocurrency is the people you can trade it with and the people who will invest their time and you know effort, their motivation or whatever into yeah marketing it and building new businesses and accepting it and trying to trade it or promote it, all those things. So the sort of the people that you, that you choose to, the community that you choose to be a part of will have a huge impact in the, in the long term, in the very long term, especially because it compounds over time as to the success of the 
currency. So I do encourage people, uh, if they're new to all this, to go have a look, uh, if they're, especially if they're Reddit users, to go on reddit.com slash r slash Bitcoin and, I don't know, make some posts or just chat to people or just read what's going on there and, you know, get a bit of a vibe for what's going on. And then uh, reddit.com slash r slash BTC, which is a hangover originally, but it is more the BCH focused subreddit now. Uh, yeah, and just read, get involved, or, you know, and, and just uh, see, see how you like it, right? Because you'll be able to see the difference in the community's approaches to, yeah, what technology they're building or what people are talking about or what they're trading for, you know, all that kind of stuff. I got to say, too, like, just um, being a part of this and seeing your involvement uh, and optis- optimism for everything made me realize, like, I haven't done meetups in forever. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, the dev- like developing on Bitcoin cash thing is going to take some time. Obviously I got to, you know, increase my skill set. but I think, um, the start of April, once I get settled into a new place, I want to build, like, just take a day, completely fill it with making videos about how to use certain Bitcoin cash applications because I feel like one of the things that the community is missing is there's um, just the integration. Like um, there's a lot of talk about um, adoption or number go up or, you know, other coins are doing this and that, uh, whether good or bad. But I don't feel like there's enough community talk of like, just like, hey, here's a useful resource for the average person to use for getting involved. Yeah. Or like just how to use it. So I'm going to sit down and try and do that. And and uh, uh, thank you for, you know, being uh, inspirational. <laughs> Man, wow, I'm touched. But well, I think uh, and it, to me, it's interesting that you say that because that that is a huge difference in the in the communities is that at the time of the fork and certainly before the fork, there was there was so much energy in the in the Bitcoin community. It was just this all conquering force where everywhere everyone that you talk to would say, "Ah, oh, Bitcoin, what's this? It's you know, uh, garbage or whatever." You know, back in the day before it was uh, more known, everybody it was a scam and there was so much bad news and stuff. Even despite that, in the Bitcoin community, people were so positive and optimistic, and even just every small win was like a huge deal. Oh, I got my friend involved in it, and here's a photo of us you know, trading a little bit or what, whatever it was, there was just, you know, and it was like, it was going to spread economic liberty to the world and we were going to be banking the unbanked and all of this stuff was just so like positive and forward looking, very revolutionary, right? Like uh, Kim.com in that uh, clubhouse story, he talks about crypto being revolutionary and he's, he's right. And that was, that was how it was and how it was felt. And it is something that is on my mind that at some point, um, I'll do an episode where it will pull up some old videos of the of the that I remember where people were talking about Bitcoin in the early day, and you can see that how that was, and it really just contrasts uh, with today in the BTC community, and then the BCH community uh, right now because it, it is on a, it's in a building phase because the people are attracted obviously to the price going up and the hype and everything around that right is what is what attracts people into BTC at the moment. And in BCH, because the price has been down, even though it's been up against the US dollar, but it's been down relative to other cryptos, you know, people who are just interested in speculation and bringing a lot of hype and excitement, they're not necessarily finding it, right? It is more that 
hardcore crowd of people who you know want to build a business and want to be able to use it in their daily lives and and that kind of thing and i think if if there is a uh, surge at some point in bch you'll start seeing some more of that revolutionary type energy and thinking because it's hard to sustain that when your fees cost five dollars because anybody actually using it will think it's shit but yeah 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 right on board with you so yeah i mean i mean we'll we'll wait and see but to me uh, i think the vision is still there in the bch community and i think the excitement will will come as the as the scales start tipping from from BDC to BCH. So, but yeah, people can make up their own mind. If they want, if they want a store of value, maybe they can go to BDC. If they want to use digital cash, uh, maybe they can go to BCH and we'll, and we'll just see how it plays out. All right. So yeah, I think there's still room for both for sure. And it's just like my interest lies in what's the average person going to use. Hmm. Average people aren't investing in gold or store of value or stocks or whatever the fuck. <laughs> average people are living paycheck to paycheck yeah. and need a fucking cash system so that's right yeah yeah exactly and uh, the lo a low barrier to entry is obviously uh critical and in my mind once people are using the cash system well it will naturally follow that if that's what they want then that's what you know big institutions and so on and so forth will yeah. uh naturally sort of tend to as well because that's what the people are gonna you know that's what their employees or whatever gonna be like giving bitcoin cash right i don't care about this other uh btc but who, who knows yeah you're, you're right i think uh communities don't need to fight definitely that be you know be, if bgc could go its own way and well we're here with the bitcoin cash podcast so you know what we're back in all right so number four we got the node software and development team so this is a very interesting point which is that right now on the bgc network or when i checked uh yesterday there was about seven thousand seven hundred bgc nodes and about 1300 bch nodes right so Interestingly, this is, I think, actually quite a good sign for um, BCH because the price difference is about 85 to 1, and yet the number of nodes is actually, you know, closer to uh, like 1 uh, 1/6 or 1 7th uh, in, the, in the BCH uh, community. So again, it sort of shows that it's more that hardcore type of uh, vibe where there are people who are very committed and and when you consider as well that the nodes they all run a certain implementation of the software and so on btc there's 98.17 percent is with bitcoin core which was the first uh, the first one ever written like back in the day and then there's a few others here uh, bitcoin classic bitcoin uasf whatever all of them are under what really under 0 0.4 well i guess this one's 0 0.9 percent they're all under one percent and combined they're less than 2%. So yeah. that was part of why the fork happened was that then the development team of Bitcoin Core had a certain emphasis or a certain opinions or, or whatever, and they kind of kicked out anybody who didn't agree with that. And that's how, uh, and that's still the way it is today, right? So if the Bitcoin Core software developers have a certain opinion or idea or whatever, well, that's probably the way things are, are going to go because it's not spread out among, you know, different voices. And so they do have some sort of unilateral control over it. And then with Bitcoin Cash, and I think this is actually unique among cryptocurrency. I don't know any other cryptocurrency that has anything like this, um, where there is actually several competing node implementations. Like there's Bitcoin Unlimited is about 40%, Bitcoin ABC, close to 30 
BCH uh, node is close to 27%, and there's uh, a few others in here as well that are all uh, like a smaller share. But, uh, you know, there, there is actually three teams, and I think that is a big focus of the Bitcoin Cash, like the technical part of the community is because of those problems with Bitcoin Core. They really want to avoid what, the, what is called a reference implementation, right? That one person does it and then everybody else uh, copies, but more that it is decided uh, as, a, as a collective but obviously you can't force it since if some other huge percentage of nodes don't want to agree with you, well, you, you can't make them. So you've got to have a good idea that survives the sort of community discussion test. Yeah, um, Bitcoin ABC will slowly start to uh, get cut out of that graph. Mm. Yeah, because they forked off, right? They no longer support it. There was like, after the fork, they, for they, um, they supported it for a little bit, but since they've announced that by the next upgrade, they're not going to be doing any any maintenance okay. for that software. So, oh, well, maybe I could <laughs> come in, take that over, just uh, fork that off and, and keep it alive. Like, I, well, I BCHN is a fork of the ABC code base. Yeah. Um, so maybe see if you can contribute to those guys. Yeah, I, I don't know. Interesting. I just think yeah, it's good to have that sort of uh, those those different uh, implementation. And ho yeah, hopefully some of these other ones will get some uh, traction and stuff too. You know, a couple more yeah. percentage of nodes or whatever. BCHD, yeah, BCHD seems to be uh, more focused on developer, um, like as a developer node. But and they're also finishing up their SLP support, which will be massive. Yeah, nice, nice. I didn't know that. So yeah. That's you know it's pretty uh, it's pretty cool and uh, anyway the point is if you're interested in running a node yeah maybe uh, maybe consider uh, consider one of these other uh, smaller ones and just spread out the sort of support in the in the community I think that's the benefit of everyone really all right so now we've got some technical differences so these uh, I don't want to get too much into detail on all these things because there's a lot there and <laughs> some of it could uh, deserve their own episode really. But basically, uh, at the time of the fork, along with the disagreement about the block size, part of what was wrapped up in that was various other different features. So on BTC, they now have these things called replace by fee, which is that if you send a transaction and it gets stuck, which would happen if you have you know so many transactions overflowing your block limit, then you can send another fee, which has a higher, another transaction, which has a higher fee and it will replace it, right? So what that, means is that you can unstick your transaction but it also means that if you're a merchant and you accept it you have to wait for a confirmation because otherwise if you get a fee that pays 10 cents and you think great but the guy walks out of the store and then he sends another transaction that with one dollar fee and he sends the money back to himself you're kind of you're screwed right and uh yep. related to that is this other one called segregated witness called segwit which was super controversial at the time again around the block size limit all of that because, which is basically the idea that uh, in a Bitcoin transaction, you can cut out some of the data and have it sort of like as an additional, like a side cab in a motorbike kind of uh, idea and put the data in that. And part of why it was uh, suggested was that then in theory that could uh, allow the blocks to go from one to up to like a virtual four megabytes to create more uh, space. I mean, to me and to a lot of other people, I think it was just like, well, why don't we just raise the block size limit? But that was what they wanted, and they put that in, uh, and in reality, it's proven to be maybe about 1.4 or 1.5x rather than 4x, uh, the amount of increase that it's uh, yeah. given. 
there's also some situations where uh, SegWit makes your total transaction size larger. Hmm. Yeah. So. So yeah. So it, it is. It is variable. It does depend. But basically, it didn't help the scaling very much. And I think critically to me, also, I think it has made it so it's quite difficult for them to unwind in, in my mind. So uh, that's one thing where people can say, okay, if BCH like ever got momentum, well, one way that BTC could sort of fight back was they could increase their own block size. But it's not really quite that simple. I don't think at this stage now that they have. Uh, you know, chosen their part. Maybe they could do that. I don't know. But along with their community narrative being very heavily set against that idea, and obviously it's difficult to change people's minds. Um, also, these sort of technical features do mean they will be slower on the uptake if it's if it suddenly proves that they need to change their strategy. And then there's also the Lightning Network. So yeah, I don't really want to go into this. We can do that on a separate uh, episode. But basically, the idea is that. Uh, to scale in BTC, their plan is to have um, a, a sort of separate network running on top of their current network, uh, which people can use and has lower fees. And there's a lot of uh, debate and discussion about that. But, but the, <laughs> the one thing that uh, is important to mention is that if Bitcoin Cash, if that proved to be a phenomenal success and it's been five years in the making and hasn't really got very far, but if it did prove to somehow come out and be amazing, you could actually just do the same thing on Bitcoin Cash and it would even be better because if the foundation layer is uh, bigger and more capable uh, in the transactions it can process, then the second layer obviously amplifies that, right? Yeah, I might be uh, misremembering, but I believe SegWit is uh, required for Lightning um, only because it's a malleability fix. And so there are uh, alternative malleability fixes that haven't really been looked at because wow. they, we, we haven't even thought about layer two realistically at the, well, the the focus on layer two has been minimal, right? So, um, but yeah, that's a, I remember getting an argument with BTC folk like a year and a half ago about, well, we could, yeah, yeah, we can integrate lightning network and they're like, well, you need a malleability fix. Oh, we, we could do that. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> We don't need SegWit. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, again, for the real technical uh, people, they can go and look into that, read up on all that, uh, and maybe, yeah, we'll try and do an episode about breaking down some of that stuff in uh, more detail. But that's the stuff that's in uh, BC. And then in BCH, uh, so they had uh, Cash Fusion and Flipstarter. So these are not actually in the protocol, right? These are just uh, extensions that uh, wallets can sort of build in somehow, right? But what you can add here is check data sig verify and uh schnorr signatures yeah do you, want, do you want to break them down a little bit i, I haven't read off as much on those ones uh uh check data sig verify is a little above my understanding um i think what its purpose is is to allow for more privacy um and uh it's something to do with like allowing yeah, I sure. I feel like I should just keep my mouth shut in this case. <laughs> Maybe I might be saying this. Yeah, we'll have to get someone and, on who can uh, break it all down in detail. Yeah. Uh, but Schnorr signatures was specifically for um, privacy because, uh, you know what? Yeah, no. Let's just <laughs> we'll keep it at that. All right. Okay. Uh, get yeah. get Mark uh, Lundberg. Lund Lund Lunderberg. 
ooh, can't remember his last name, something like that. Get him on, because he was the guy who put uh, Schnorr signatures, or did the whole Schnorr signature work for Bitcoin Cash. All right, sweet. Well, yeah, I guess uh, we'll, you can all look forward to that in a, in a future episode. But basically, yeah, they added the new address format. And also, the I'm just remembering now, the different um, SIG codes, Opreturn, uh, they added, yeah. added that sort of stuff as well, so that Bitcoin Cash could do more things like sort of like a mini ethereum not actually like a, as much as ethereum in terms of all the smart contracts and all this different uh stuff that you can do but having the ability to have the different tokens on it and and all those kind of things uh was added to bitcoin cash and then yeah these these were the two that i thought of which is the cash fusion which is to increase privacy that you can swap coins with people without them knowing you know who swaps what uh or anybody else uh, in the, you know uh, knowing so it can increase your privacy and then uh, flip starter which is sort of like the bitcoin cash version of kickstarter where people can pledge in a certain amount of uh, money and then it only all comes together if the if the funding goal gets uh gets met at the end of the day right so yeah here we go so this is i think maybe in the final point which is yeah the difficulty adjustment algorithm that we mentioned before so on btc it adjusts every two weeks uh every 2016 blocks so if there's more hash rate the difficulty goes up so that it stays consistent at uh, two weeks and then on bch they had a for a while they had the emergency difficulty algorithm which they added in at the time of the fork again that kind of goes back to what uh, the people were saying to kim.com about they didn't like that and everything uh but then now the algorithm now is that it just adjusts every block so instead of checking each two weeks it just checks every roughly 10 minutes uh, when it adjusts and I think I think that's fine I mean maybe some people again it sort of come back to what is the real Bitcoin etc etc but to me I think the most notable thing about this is that it has the possibility for the death spiral which uh, I talked about in the first episode of this podcast where in theory uh, because there's this two week delay in the Bitcoin uh, adjustment algorithm it's possible that if the uh, Bitcoin Cash surged in price. More of the miners that we saw before are shared switched from Bitcoin onto Bitcoin Cash, and then that slows down effectively the blocks of the Bitcoin network, and then the fees go higher because there's less transactions, less blocks, and then uh, maybe the market is like responding to this as the momentum is shifting one way, and so then yeah, it's a feedback loop where yeah, the more hash rate moves over the price gets higher uh, for BCH and lower for BTC. Then there's the fees go higher, then everybody's panicking, they can't move their coins, the transactions is going up, it gets slower, and then it just, yeah, uh, compounds on itself. The great flipping. The great flipping. One day we will live <laughs> to see a glorious flipping, uh, I hope. But uh, I mean, if it did actually go down like that, I mean, I mean, who's, who's to know, right? It might be a disaster for cryptocurrency as a whole, Maybe it would suddenly create a lot more enthusiasm in the space. Maybe uh, I think there would be a lot of very uh, upset people who had invested in BTC as their coin had just suddenly crashed out from number one down to like the irrelevance at, you know, number 200 on uh, coin market cap or whatever. People who, I, I mean, to me, it sounds like if that was, you know, possible, but it does, it's a, it's very like Mt. Gox based again we'll do another episode on that but at that time when that was happening there's people panicking oh no my coins blah blah so many reddit posts oh my money's vanished you know help me blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> i think it might end up uh 
might end up a bit like that if you know people who don't people who have been warned or they know about something or maybe they don't know about it and then only after it happens and it's too late suddenly is everybody you know up in arms about it really yep okay so yeah <laughs> just got one last uh, slide here which i thought was really funny this is uh mark demisel i mentioned in a previous uh episode uh this is absolutely made me laugh this is a classic so he made a twitter post which said uh which train most likely to see growth in travelers because uh it's related to that transaction street site that i've showed before with the the buses running through the bus stop and it has the options <laughs> uh bch train and obviously he's a bch focused guy so people are gonna gonna like that so that's got 70.4 percent of the votes then he has BTC train, which has about 11%. So, you know, fair, fair, fair enough, right? Like people can have their opinion. And then he's got option three is fuck you, B cash, B trash. And that has 10.3%. So very nearly the BTC train. And then he has- Hold on. So we have just as many people who are um, like essentially anti-BCH as we do pro-BTC. That's important. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, we'll discuss that in a, in a moment. But yeah, I think that's very relevant. And then the last one is other train shill below, which has 8.2%. So I love this. I love this, Mark. This is a fantastic tweet. And I think the results of the poll are amazing because like you're saying, it's these three options at the bottom that are not just the BCH train. It's so indicative, right? If there's the, you know, he put this option in knowing that, that, that a lot of people would go for this third option. Fuck you, B cash, B trade, which is, it's just baiting, you know, the toxic part of the community. Like what, what is the use? If you supported BTC, wouldn't you just pick the BTC train? Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is like a glimpse into the psyche of the BTC max. Yeah. Or maybe just the, uh, anti B cash. Yeah, exactly. Or just Twitter trolls or, or whatever, you know, but. I think in the context of, yeah, what we've talked about uh, today and Kim.com, you know, his message, I think that's very true that people should just learn to just focus on their own coin, make their own thing great. And like, what, why you got to be hating, you know? So I, I thought this was just absolutely amazing. And then the, yeah, the bottom option, 8.2% other train shill below. You know, I mean, it's a bit of a dig to put uh, shilling you know that's the classic in cryptocurrency if if people don't like your coin they like some other coin that's shilling it's obviously shilling they're obviously some paid you know funded actors or or whatever but uh yeah so i think i think that's the mass message i want to i want to leave on right is that for uh the bch community just just be good to people if you don't like b2c or you do like it or whatever or any other coin that's fine. Just be civil to people. It doesn't need to be toxic and arguing all the time. And just, you know, there's so many more people in the world that know nothing about crypto that you can talk to about Bitcoin Cash or just be positive about than arguing with BTC because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't get anywhere. And it's just an, you know, an entrenched conflict. Everyone's got their own little play box so they can play in that and I don't need to be poking everyone else, you know? Yeah, I think there's like, in the choice between, you know, arguing with people, that's like, overall, I think, while it might not do harm, it's just a net 